Welcome to Clareton Conversation, a podcast of voices from the creative industry. Here, we explain voices about how we ended up, where we ended up, and we share great works of art that inspired us and that we, in turn, create. These are our first few episodes, and we're really pleased that we've had the opportunity to come together. My name is Katie Espester, and I'm the editor and publisher behind Claret Press and Clapham Publishing Services. Our guest today is Sam Clark. Sam is one of the co-founders of Experience Travel Group, and he spent two years in Sri Lanka researching and developing the Experience Travel Group feel. Unfortunately, this two-year hiatus in Sri Lanka was interrupted by the Asian tsunami of 2004, but the Experience Travel Group was ready to launch again in 2006. Asia has always been a feature of Sam's life, from backpacking around India as a 19-year-old to meeting his Kiwi wife on a beach in Thailand. He has traveled with his wife and children all over Asia and considers himself something of an expert in the long-haul travel with kids. Your poor old thing, Sam. Long-haul travel with kids. (laughs) I go back and forth to Canada with my kids, and I have to tell you, it's not something I want to become an expert in. <laughs> Once they get old enough to plug themselves into uh, into the TV, they seem to look after themselves. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank God for digital media. <laughs> Thank God for digital media, indeed. So you're a Clapham boy, born and raised. You went to the local Heathbrook Primary School, and you know you you still your kids still go to Heathbrook Primary School. You're you're Clapham through and through, and yet here you are a bit of an Asia expert. How did that come about? Yeah, no, I've, I've managed to get about a mile from my uh, family home uh, in life. <laughs> yeah. Never been outside Lambeth. Um, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's 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 a bit embarrassing actually because most people in London are from somewhere else. Yes, I'm um, guilty as charged. Yeah, and they're doing something interesting, and um, and I'm 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 just I'm just here, and and uh, I was born here, but uh, I did manage to get to Sri Lanka at one point. Um, and then lived out there for a couple of years. Um, it sounds like a, um, it completely turned your life upside down. It did turn my life upside down. Um, it was it was sort of quite an on the spur spur of the moment um, situation, um, driven by a woman. That was that was my my now wife. Is that you know I wanted to go and go and see her really and uh, so I came up with an elaborate excuse. <laughs> oh this is so romantic. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, this uh, is lovely you know traveling to the forest corner of the world that you could get to for love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that has got to get you some kudos on Valentine's Day. Do you know I don't think I've ever used it. <laughs> now, now you say it like that I probably should have done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You missed a trick there Sam. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. she'll listen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you were were you in Sri Lanka during this terrible tsunami of 2004? Uh, I was, yeah. We were setting up our business. We're we're due to launch on January the 18th, I think, um, of 2005. Um, And then we were woken up on Boxing Day morning by our friends saying, the water's coming, the water's coming, Um, which which was obviously the the tsunami. And and then... um, yeah, kind of all hell broke loose, and uh, we we yeah, horrific, sort of, horrific loss of life, and how you know just a, a terrible natural tragedy. It, it was, it was, it was. I mean, yeah, it's it's sort of unbelievable looking back on it. I can't really, I can't really compute now. Um, I guess at a time like that, you you sort of see, I think 
as, as Charles Dickens put it, like the best of times and the worst of times, the, the worst of people and the best of people, you see like incredible resilience and people responding in such an extraordinary way. And you also see people just reacting in the most horrific ways and the sort of greed of, you know, we're, we're giving with one hand and taking with the other, you know, mm-hmm, the, the, mm-hmm. the aid industry. And then you've got people in Sri Lanka purloining the money and just all kinds of horribleness. And one thing I did learn is it's much easier to try and make money than give money away, 100%. <laughs> it, it, that's counterintuitive, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Well, I do remember you were after the, the tsunami doing an awful lot of fundraising for the, for the people who um, were victims of it. And so having raised a chunk of change, you found it then difficult to give it away. To give it away responsibly and to make sure it went in, it got used in the spirit in which it was given was incredibly difficult. Yeah, and we, we ended up with, with quite a substantial amount of money. On one hand, we were completely broke because um, the money we had to set up the business had gone. And the other hand, we had this huge, you know, we I think it was up, upwards of a quarter of a million um, pounds and, and a lot of ideas for projects, but not much knowledge about how to oversee them and to make sure the proper governance was in place and all the rest of it. So steep learning curve. I bet. God, yeah. it, you know, it it's not a a bad beginning. I don't want to suggest that, but gosh, there you are about to launch your business and everything goes 10 toes up. Like, how did you, how did, how did you respond to that? Well, in, in one way, it did give us quite a lot of inspiration for what, that what we were doing was, was quite a good approach because we saw that it was very different. People wanted to arrive the best moment, best motives in the world. People wanted to arrive and help the Sri Lankans on the ground. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to come here and help. And we saw that actually they were genuinely doing more help and not just saying that they were genuinely doing more to help the people when they came and had a holiday because people understood what they were doing. They understood they were there to enjoy yes. briefly their piece of land, to appreciate their where they were yeah. from, to understand the beauty of it, to all the rest of it. And that made sense to them. And, and of course, economically, they did well out of it. You know, sure, hard currency, people, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. infrastructure goes in when you have tourists, yeah. you know, you get a better road being built and, all you know, better street lighting and, uh, yeah, spread some money around. Yeah, uh, whereas, whereas people kind of painting a wall, which was work that a local could have done quicker and better yeah. it, it just didn't make sense and it built it built resentment and it built you know and I'm not saying that people didn't do amazing things they did but it, it just it just doesn't work as well as people going about their normal business and interacting and 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 operating together as humans you know they're, they're yeah, interacting yeah, that human as, connection. as humans yeah exactly I, I can remember once um many years ago now uh, in a valley in the there was a covert war being launched by the United States against a Central American nation. It's the 80s. You don't want to go into it. Um, but I watched a sister city project between lovely Americans from Boulder, Colorado, trying to build primary school in the very north of Jalapa up against the Honduran border in the middle of a kind of a twitchy war zone type situation <laughs> and there'd be these really lovely americans would show up doctors and lawyers and accountants and dentists and everything else like that and trying to hammer in a nail 
much to the bemusement of the locals. Who just, <laughs> just, and they'd spend the morning going on a fact-finding tour and talking to the people, which is where you say that's where the connection happened. They walked yeah. into people's homes. They talked about their lives. They saw them kind of making cheese by hand, which in those days, and, and they did, and making tortillas by hand, which, you know, everything was done by hand. It was, it was just, uh, it was not an industrialized society at all. And, and then in the afternoon, they'd all schlep out to the construction site and try to pour concrete. And it was just, <laughs> yeah, bless their hearts, it was well meant. But, and they, they, but yeah, everything had to be redone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this is the human contact that underlies it all. Is, and that's at the core of your business, is it? That's definitely at the core of our business. Yeah, it's, a, it's, about, making those, it's about making those connections and, and slowing down and, and uh, just giving people time to smell the coffee or the yeah. cheese or whatever yeah, it yeah. is that's, that's there. You know, that's, yeah. that's what it's about. Um, so, it's, so how did you... So there you are in the ashes, literally the ruins and ashes of Sri Lanka in January of 2004 after the tsunami. What was your next step to build the business up? Not necessarily to help the, the Sri Lankans, but well, I'd have to, to help you. I'd have to fast forward to sort of about 2000, back end of 2005, okay. start of 2006. Um, we started to think that there was, it was possible to bring guests here again. And, okay. and um, it took two years then to rebuild. It, it, took, it, took, it took more than two years to rebuild. It took a year before it was possible because, of course, it was took out the major tourist uh, infrastructure, which is the beach, right? Yeah. That's what people are coming for. And, and to have to see yeah. that, people quite rightly felt, you know, really awkward about going to a site like that. You know, yeah. when, when you see people in, um, in, in corrugated iron or plastic camps just outside where you're staying in a, in a luxury hotel, it's, it's, it's not going to be great, yes. right? It, yeah, um, So There's it took a, a year. But, but after a year, we really felt that that was, we could get the message out that the best thing to do was to come back and to enjoy Sri Lanka and how beautiful Sri Lanka was and how much there was to see. And all of that message flowed quite, uh, quite neatly into the fact that people were very happy to see them. Um, and it was quite a privilege for, for people who got to go at that time. So, yeah. This has kind of reminded me of my, my crazy mom who bought a, a ticket to go to Kenya. And it coincided at the same time as there were mass riots going on around the election. This is a good few years ago now. And the, re, they refused to refund the money because uh, she hadn't bought, bought an insurance policy. And she was so cheap. She went to Kenya anyways because she'd bought the the trip. Had a lovely time. Place was empty. Nobody was there. The locals were so thrilled that this little old lady was tottering around their country. And they just lined up to chat with her. She had just the most wonderful, special experience. Can I just say, as a, as a representative of the travel industry, I thoroughly condone that sort of behavior. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what we need more of. That's yeah, kind of, you know, fearless little old ladies. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> well, maybe she'll be in one of your next trips. So what, what are your trips like? Our trips are yeah we don't we try to avoid um, rioting on the whole, <laughs> um, and uh, we 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 try and we try and we we say that our trips are for curious people you know curious travellers people who want to just just find out a little bit poke around be a bit nosy find out what's going on um, so they're pretty nice as well they're pretty fun um, you know it's about having a good time and enjoying nice places and all the rest of it but giving yourself time, as I said, to enjoy it and to smell what's going on and to meet people and talk to people and have the time to do that, which is really important. 
Yeah, I think it sounds fantastic. So, you know, this is a podcast about the creative industry. Yeah. And uh, you're a bit of an outlier. Yeah. Uh, you're not an artist or a musician or a filmmaker or an author. Um, but you you and I have talked in the past and we've agreed that as someone who set up two small companies myself, um, and you have been, you and I have talked about the trials and tribulations of trying to set up small companies. And we've kind of agreed this is, it's not straightforward and it's actually you kind of have to draw on the creative side of your personality. Could you just say a little bit more about that? You definitely have to draw on something, I think, because um, for for most of us, it's it's just a matter of it's a matter of keeping going. And um, when you're doing everything wrong, you know, keeping going can be quite difficult. And you keep failing, and you keep not quite getting it right. And you just have to you have to keep going. And I think. Uh, drawing on those on the kind of creative reservoirs that you have inside you is is, is the best way to do that, um, and it, it has to be a creative process um, starting a business because you know you're the one who's gone. I know I've got an idea. Yes, I'll start a business. So 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 almost by definition, kind of an entrepreneur, you're creative in terms of you come up with ideas. Um, so you started up this company from nothing at a time of, uh, you know, not everybody would have done what you did, Sam, in the aftermath of a horrific natural disaster. Mm. You started up a, a company to uh, bring people to the place. I mean, this is a, I wouldn't call it barking mad, but it, you probably wouldn't find it in a business textbook anywhere. And I'm wondering what the wellspring of this, um, this endeavor was. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a spreadsheet. <laughs> no, it, it was. It, I always describe it as naive. Um, <laughs> although, <laughs> okay. But people, people, people say that you need to have a, you know, a sort of purpose behind starting a business. And and as far as I did, it, it did seem to be the. It does seem to be kind of constant where we are now as to where we started it from. Was this idea of, um, uh, you know, that people just were rushed around the country and they didn't have time to stop and think and they didn't have time to consider what they were doing and uh, we we just thought you know there's so much more to a country than you find from the guidebooks that all follow the same thing or the package holidays yeah. that dash you around and end you at the end and we just thought there's so much more and if, if you just slow people down and thought about it and got them to think about what they were looking for from a holiday and then how to match that we thought that that was something um, that that we could do, and it's kind of that's kind of where we're at now. Um, completely lost your question, um, but we, which is which is which is I think about the why why we started it. But that that was the sort of motivation, um, and I think I don't know. I had you know had, I go to places and I have ideas and I think about things, and and that kind of was one of the ideas, and it, it just seemed to be something I ought to carry on and pursue. Are you a man of ideas? I, I I like to think that I am, yes. I come up with a lot of ideas. And in fact, my team often, not often, but sometimes groan when I come up with yet yes, another idea. I've had the same thing. Yeah. I had a, an intern once say to me towards the end of internship, we're working side by side on the computer. And she was like, ah, she says, Katie, there's got to be 20 ideas in your head at any one time. Hmm. And I said, yes. And she's like, oh, this is just... <laughs> and I thought, what, you mean you've only got one idea at a time in your head? <laughs> like, it'd be, it'd, just, it'd be empty and rattle around inside. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. And I remember someone once said to me, an employee, who said, well, why, 
you've, you've, the, the problem is, Sam, is, is you have an idea, we put it into place, it doesn't work, and you move on. And I've become quite attached to that idea. And, and I said, that I totally see where you're coming from, and I need to, you know, I need to think about that and actually you know, give some more time to what you're doing. But as far as I'm concerned, I can just tell you how I feel. Now, how I feel is brilliant. Tried that idea. It didn't, didn't work. work. Now I can move now on. Now we move on. Yeah. Because yeah. that idea is in my head. And when an idea is in my head, it's there nagging at me going, let me out. Let me out. You know, I've got lots. Of, I've, I've, I want to come out. I want to see the light of day. Um, and I think from I've met quite a lot of other business owners, people who started businesses. And it does seem to be a quite a common thread in that, that they are generally ideas people because they had that idea in the first place to start the business and thought that was a good idea, you know, or thought at least I might as well give it a go because, what hey, the hey, what's what the, the hey? worst that like, It's happen? like putting up a podcast, yeah. yeah. I know, it's like when you're a publisher. <laughs> it doesn't make a particle bit of sense, but uh, this sounds almost like a creative instinct is what you're describing. You you have an idea that's ba- that's banging on the inside of your head and wants to come out and buy gum. You have this drive to implement it. I mean, that, I hear this coming from other people in the creative industry. This is how they describe painting and 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 writing it's just it's something it's it's a drive they have to do it and it does kind of sound you're using almost exactly the same language yeah that's interesting it's not it's not how I sort of previously thought about it but it is there is something quite creative in that and then there is something where you need to constantly recreate the right conditions for the creativity and that becomes more difficult as a business grows because you've then got more people involved um, and you have to you have to then find a way of of getting out collaboratively um, but giving the idea space to breathe and space to fail and uh, a pro you have to build processes around learning for that so I suppose it then becomes a bit like a craft that you've got to just get good at repeating the same things over and over and over again but just trying that little different thing to see what you can change and if that makes any sense whatsoever. No, I, I, I think probably everybody in the creative industry would completely understand that you you have the drive to create and then you have to get good at it. Like it's just it's, it's insufficient mm. to just splash paint on a, on a canvas mm. or put down or try to publish your diary. You know, you've there is a complex craft and you can only, I, I really only think you can only learn it to do it the hard way. You make a mistake, you go, wow, that hurt, that mistake. Okay, let's not do that one again. Mm. And you pick yourself up and you do it again. And yeah, and then there are some, because there are, there are some mistakes that are so bad in, in business that you, you, you can't quite afford, to, you can't afford to make them. So you have to put in a framework that sort of maybe limits the outer reaches of your ideas and, and a check and process kind of governance around that. Because otherwise, um, otherwise it can be difficult, and it can be difficult for people around if there are ideas firing off all over the place. Um, because you've got, if you've got a good, eye, clear idea of what you're trying to do and where you're trying to go with it, it's not necessarily the best idea to fire off in different directions. So sometimes, for myself, speaking purely for myself, I need to find other ways of other outlets for that kind of creativity which is basically different groups of people to shout ideas at uh, for different things. (laughs) I'm really enjoying this conversation because here's the thing about being in the creative industry so many of us have had to learn that business infrastructure and scaffolding that you've just described Um, and it's not necessarily a muscle that we've ever exercised before Hmm. and it's 
And it's almost something we're a little bit embarrassed about. It's like, yeah, I, I can now you, you program an Excel spreadsheet. It's like, yeah, I can do that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's kind of, you think, you know all the tax cycles and you have your password memorized for HMRC. You know, it, it is not, this is never how you envisioned yourself going forward, yeah. being this, um, the business side of creativity. And it, it almost strikes me that you're very comfortable with that side. And this is the gift of being in business is that you acknowledge that this is a creative endeavor, but you're very comfortable talking about it as a business as well. And that's a bit of a gift. It's like a get out of jail for free card. It's true, but though we we you know in business you do still have the same the same kind of dichotomy. We we I remember I was writing a standard operating procedure for recruitment. Right, this is as boring as it gets, and I was writing. I was quite enjoying writing it. I was getting down the different subpoints, and this happens, this happens, this happens, and I thought. Did I start travel companies so that I could be writing standard <laughs> operating procedures for recruitment? Um, I'm not sure I did. But it's quite important because there's a lot of learning and mistakes, a huge amount of failures that have gone into recruitment. Um, and it, it's just a terrible place to be is, is recruiting badly, right, as, 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 as you know. So it's we've got to get that learning down so we don't repeat the same mistakes. Yes. And it is so important to get that learning down so you don't mistake, make the same mistakes. I guess in creative industries, it's it's kind of the same. It is, absolutely, um, unfortunately. And I don't yeah. think any of us enjoy it. I'm not even sure that people like lawyers and accountants enjoy their jobs either. I'm not entirely convinced about that because I, they, they seem awfully happy to take early retirement. No, so. but you've got to have some outlet for creativity. And surely there's always an outlet for creativity if you're living fully, you know, if you're really arriving as yourself at work at home, whatever. And it, 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 to me, it seems such a shame when there's such a difference between being at home and being at work. You know, that's I'm lucky enough to have a job which I really enjoy, which is different, which feels different every day, which has a huge challenge every day. At the moment, you know, massive amounts of stress every day. But still, it's, you know, it is an outlet for being creative, not just me, um, more importantly, everyone around me, you know, and it's creating those conditions that everyone can be creative and excited and enthused. And um, it just seems dreadfully sad if people can't enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I say this as someone who has gone from academia to filmmaking to being a stay-at-home housewife and mom. I think that we have done ourselves a disservice hmm. as a species by saying these are the creative industries. It's painting, it's, it's writing, and it's making music and maybe stage direction. And that's about it. And I, I actually don't think that's entirely... I don't think I think that's wholly and completely inaccurate in the creative industry as much. I think we are a creative species, mm. and and we integrate creativity into our 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 jobs. At a, but it's just not recognised either by the people who do it, or by society at large. Mm. And we are. It, it's sad. You're right. It's desperately sad. So, what great works of art have influenced you, Sam, on this creative endeavour that you've got? So I was thinking about that before I came along, and uh, <laughs> I was—I've always given—I've um, always I, there's two things that kind of influenced me. I think is that my mother had a shop which was um, a multicultural educational toy shop in Tooting. Oh, um, you lucky yeah, dog. I, I know, I know, I know. And I worked there on Saturdays, and I became really good at selling to um, fathers who came in looking for presents for their children. And yeah. What I would do is I'd say, um, 
So I'd, first I'd ask about their child. So I'd say, yeah, you know, how is, so your child's seven. And, and, and then I'd say, you know, so what do they do? And da, da, da. And I would then say, God, it sounds like they're quite bright. <laughs> and, uh, and, and That's naughty. Yeah, and, and the father, of course, would go, or the mother would go, God, you, you know, you yeah, I think they are. <laughs> Comfort, they, you know, just quietly say that to me. And I'd say, you know, I think they, well, this is the kind of puzzle for their age, which will be great. Um, it's a it's a game that's brilliant for six-year-olds. But I think for them, you know, you might want to get something a bit more stretching as well. <laughs> and so, and then, so then they would get the next stage up, which was good. It was, I was doing a service. So, um, uh, um, I, I, parents are putty in the hands of people like you. Yeah, I tell yeah. you, that, that is every parent's soft spot. It's like, he's not just bright. He's he's also creative. And he's not just creative. I, I think he's actually a genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was obviously the unspoken yeah. there, that there was some level of genius, and I'm sure there was you know we've all got something special about us <laughs> my mother unfortunately her um the way she dealt with it her soft spot was um for single mothers who used to come in and shoplift and um she used to get really <laughs> cross with us when we caught the single mothers shoplifting you can't catch them they're shoplifting an educational toy <laughs> for their child and says, yes and you're running a business um oh, and, bless uh, her heart yeah bless her heart so so that was that was that business failed you know no she she actually did really well and it would have been i think if if they'd got into the internet age it would have been it could have been an incredible business but as it happened it was just the dying ends of the um, of, of of the high street, and the high street was taken away from her, which yes. was a shame. So I, I that that kind of inspired me in business. And then um, uh, my grandmother was a great traveller, um, and she was someone. If you said to her, you know, is, is this an act of creative? She lived a very full life. But if you said, is this an act of creativity? She said, don't be silly. It needed doing. What are you talking about? I got on with life. I, I got on yeah. with it and did it. it was, and there's something to that. Yeah. You know, you take your hat off to that generation, which, yeah. you know, didn't complain or yeah. they just did it. Yeah. yeah. Someone needed to, ambulances driven in Cairo in 1942. So I drove them. You know, that's <laughs> as <laughs> and, one does. Yes, as one does. And, uh, you know, I, I got over here. And then, you know, I, in the 80s, I was bored. So I went to the Congo, to Myanmar, to um, the Yemen, etc., etc. So she actually, she would have gone well. Yeah, mother, I tell you, she? that generation, I, <laughs> uh, you know, you, they just, they, they, we all stand in awe of that generation. Yeah. So what they do and make, and they make it look easy. Yes. And meanwhile, I'm kind of like, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They do make it look easy. That's it. So she, and she was a great traveler. So she was a big inspiration. And then, but I, I don't know, in terms of art at university, I was... Um, I did. I studied history, um, but uh, my thesis was on um, history through um, the prism of um, writers, in particular poets. And I was looking at the Bloomsbury Group, um, and out of that came um, Auden. So Auden was was someone that really, really um, that, that massively resonated with me. So so particularly. Um, the famous poem 1937 is it? No, I'm, I'm worried now. <laughs> anyway, where where he talks about the Spanish War and the you know whether they can you know how there's uh, a sort of metaphor for the time when action is needed or is it not? Or, or and, and do you choose that moment to get involved and do something? You know, do you live or or do you as as he did go? Well, I'm going to look at that and move away. And and does acting produce any good or or does it? Can it make the situation worse? And and um, so I, I guess I've probably been more in the camp of, you know, kind of jumping in 
Um, Clearly, but yeah. um, but 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 I could also see you know his detachment and his his sort of oversight on that is is extraordinarily powerful, and I think in this in this times it, it, it's as powerful as uh, as it ever was um, that that poem. And then um, it well, it's al- always tricky, you know, this whole issue of acting when you see something that is not right. You know, and you, you gave it a lovely example of the, the tsunami in Sri Lanka. Like, you can't improve on that. Like, what do you do? Mm. Like, 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 what do you do? Do you go paint a wall? Mm. Or do you go on holiday? And it's just completely counterintuitive. Or do you just say, or just write a check and give it to the Red Cross? And like, you've done your, done your duty. You've done, like, like, it's not a question of do I act or do I not act? It's like, if I decide to act, what does it entail? You, and that's tricky. You've got to look. It, it's it's all about where you're at at that moment. What where's your journey? What's what what's the sum of your experience that's taken to you to this point? And only that can tell you how to act or not. Because as it happened when we were in Sri Lanka, we had an infrastructure set up. We had a team set up, so we were actually able to move very quickly and take some food down to pe- people we knew down in the south who, who didn't have any access to food so therefore there was a rationale behind it or, and and there was we were bringing something to the party and i think i think kind of you know that's that's always if you've got something to add and something to 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 bring that's going to be really important and we look at that with travel this is sort of you know sort of superficial example but when it's when you look at travel it's not try not to look about why about where you want to go and you know do you want to see the famous sites but it's, well, why do you want to go you know indeed what, yeah what, what why you want to go on holiday you know what do you need do you need does your family need to spend some time together you know do you need to recharge do you need to you know do you feel that you need to you know have an adventure to remind yourself of how wonderful the world is you know and so mm-hmm. that's we need to start with why we're doing something not necessarily what we're doing so sam you Travel all over the world. Where are you traveling to next? What's next on your agenda? Well, I'm not actually sure where where I'm going next, but where I went last okay. um, is uh, to Kerala. Um, Where's southern, Kerala? Southern India. Oh. Um, southern India, God's own country, as they, the tourist board describes it. Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, we went there as a family, and we had one of those holidays where uh, where everything kind of clicked into gear, and we, we had a really nice time together. We kind of found out... That, it's, that, that we enjoyed spending time with each other, which was, you know, it's nice Always to be reminded important of that when every you're, now and again. Yeah. yeah, especially while they're still, you know, young enough to actually agree to spend that kind of time with us. Yeah, which, that's uh, good before they become teenagers and yeah, dig yeah. their heels in. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, and I actually brought along um, this. What's we, this? What am I looking at, at here? At work, we call it a totem, which is, is a sort of a, a kind of something that reminds us of, of a trip and, and what made the trip special. It's, this is actually a hammer and sickle flag. It's a flag of it's some kind. It looks like a, a square piece of material uh, with a, a good old fashioned. It looks Soviet to me. It is. It's a communist flag and it, it's been What's flying. What's it doing in India? It's been flying from my son's window um, up until this morning. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You, yeah. you, you, just, you just have to laugh <laughs> yeah. about a businessman who creates a big company and his son ha- hangs a Soviet piece of, of paraphernalia from his window. So my son is <laughs> I guess slightly unusual in that he's very interested interested in the um, kind of Cold War period uh-huh. and um, um, and Soviet history and things like that. Um, in, in the in, and he's eleven, so that means that you know slightly obsessional in the way eleven-year-old boys are, right? Yeah. So he, when we went to Kerala, Kerala is a communist state, or at least ostensibly communist, 
And um, they in have India. India, Kerala. In this, it's Kerala. India is very regional. It has very different politics in different areas. So, do I understand to be kind of like the states? Like you might have Texas within the United States, right? So, it, which is markedly different from, say, California or right. New York. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. It's it's um, and and so they they are technically a communist government in 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 Kerala. Um, kind of really, it means strongly trade unionist. But anyway, what it also means is that. All over the Kerala, you travel and you see things like big posters of Che Guevara or Lenin um, or <laughs> Marx and various kind of Indian communist heroes, either from Kerala or, or Bengal usually. And um, and at one point we saw a picture of Lenin, Marx and Stalin. And, um, and, and Eddie said to me, Dad, Dad, um, what? Well, yeah, why is Stalin doing that? Yeah, <laughs> Did yeah, not yeah. know what happened? Yeah. And I said, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess they Not, not to mention the problem with the fact that Marx was long dead by the time Stalin rolled around. Yeah, yeah. well, I think I was like, yeah. I'd, Photoshopped I, it. I think they didn't, you know, they obviously didn't get the memo about Stalin yeah. down there. So, um, so that was it. But he, he kept seeing this communist flag and he, he really, he asked our... Um, friend Sinner, who's our, our, our partner out there um, in business terms, he said, can I get a communist flag? Can I buy one? And Sinner said, no, 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 no. You can't get a communist flag. Um, they actually, they, they'll only give it to you one as a, as a brother in the, you know, in the, in the movement. In the trade union um, movement, yeah. And he said, you know, maybe your father's willing to, to you know, no. I said, no chance. Um, I'm not willing to do that, um, even for this great totem of bringing back. But, but when Sinner next came um, to see us um, a few months later in the office in London, um, he he whipped out this flag and said, "That's oh, for Eddie." Yes. Yeah, Isn't which is lovely. So now this is this is you know it reminds of a great holiday, but it's also uh, you know a, 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 a nice gift from a friend. So so it's fantastic. Well, Sam, it sounds. Uh, we're go- I'm, I'm kind of I'm going to be curious to follow Eddie's path through life <laughs> <laughs> to see to see whether he goes uh, communist or hardy. I mean, the ultimate irony is you might reject this all at university and embrace the hard right and become a neoliberal. Liberal, uh, and start and put up Milton Friedman and von Hayek on his window instead, yeah. which is a, you know almost worse. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's what. I wonder if our neighbours are wondering the same thing. <laughs> Your travel group that you have created, Sam, the Experience Travel Group, sounds so fantastic. I'm just going to give a very. I'm just going to tell everybody's listening how well you have grown from this somewhat disastrous, so to speak, beginning. Uh, the Experience Travel Group now has 23 people in the UK and a further five in Asia, not to mention hundreds of partners and guides who work for Experience Travel on a semi-permanent basis throughout Asia. Is this, this is no small accomplishment. Well done. Thank well you. Well done you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. It's, and I, I'm, I'm guessing here, I'm, and maybe I'm guessing wrong, is when you talk about the, the thing that you're most proud of that you've created, is it the Experience Travel Group? Yeah. Definitely. Fair enough, too, I'd say. Definitely. Fair enough. We, we've created. I, I, I couldn't take all the credit for that, but it, it, it's, it's um, when, I, when I go to... Last year, we went to Thailand for a conference and we have our partners um, from each different country coming in. There's 10 different countries in Asia that we cover and, and they all came together and 
they're there and we're all firing ideas at each other and we're all enthused and you've got we had a, a Dayak um, lady from uh, which is a, a tribe in uh, Borneo um, a, um, a, a Rajput from, from northern India we had um, you know Sri Lankans we had uh, Vietnamese people and, and these people coming together to have ideas to fire off each other to think about travel to think about how they can do more interesting travel and have fun together as well it, yeah, yeah. that that's that makes me really really proud that's fantastic i really really enjoyed that oh, congratulations um, sam yeah. congratulations and congratulations for raising so much money for the people who suffered from the tsunami in 2004 that's no small accomplishment as well mm-hmm. and um i you know <laughs> there's just so many contradictions in in your life a clapham boy who's based specializes in asian travel and uh who fundraises when is for his travel group and and thinks traveling is actually about a psychological journey of why and as a businessman who thinks he's a creator. I think these are wonderful ways you've squared the circle for all of us. Thank you so much for joining us today at Clapham and Conversation, Sam Clark of Experience Travel Group. His contact details are on our Clapham Claret and Conversation website and Facebook page. Thank you for joining us, Sam. Thank you. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook or subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with the latest news, events, and podcast updates. The newsletter is available through our Claret Press website or our Clapham Publishing Services website. Claret and Conversation is hosted by myself, Katie. It's produced by Alex Holmes and edited and engineered by Chelsea Moore. We've had additional assistance from Hugo Zhang.